Hey, good morning, afternoon, evening, welcome, whenever you're able to watch this. I'm Pastor Jeff, here with Pastor Joey. Hey. And we're continuing our series that we started last week, Life in the Spirit, primarily in the book of Galatians. We're looking at how God helps us grow now that we are trying to follow Jesus. And Joey, you started us out last week with some really good questions about what is fueling our spiritual growth mm-hmm. and what are we trying to head towards. Right, yeah. So what's next? Where do we go from there? Right, so we're taking a couple of weeks to kind of set up the fruit of the Spirit before we actually get into looking at all nine of them. Yeah, so we're in the, the fruit of the Spirit. And of course, we, we planned this Life in the Spirit series a year ago, before quarantine, right. before any of this. But quarantine is definitely raising for us this kind of felt need of... Sure gosh, maybe I'm not as fruitful as I thought I was. Like, I'm noticing in my own life, um, last week I talked about self-control, and apparently all my, most of my self-control is just external social pressure to be at certain places at certain times, which, you know, the only things I have to get up in the morning for now are Zoom calls. So right. I can the alarm the clock. I want. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. So setting the alarm and actually getting up. But yeah. I was thinking, too, this week about peace, hmm. right? Peace or the the antidote for anxiety uh, as one of the fruit of the Spirit. And I generally thought of myself as a fairly stable, peaceful person, Mm. sort of non-anxious most of the time. Um, And yet I'm realizing like we're four, five, six weeks into this quarantine, whatever we are, and I'm... Like I, I, I used to run four or five times a week and I'm Mm. down to like one or two. (laughs) And I, I used to get up and have just... 10 minutes of silence before God, before anyone else woke up and I did anything else. And I'm like barely getting up in time for Zoom calls. And I used to kind of pay attention to what I was eating and how well I was eating. And Mm. now I'm like just fistfuls of whatever's in front of me. Right? I I thought I was decently non-anxious and peaceful. Mm. And I think it's turning out I'm mostly just wasn't in a real anxious time. Mm. Because now I'm realizing like I'm self-medicating with... More sleep, more food, less exercise. I used to kind of do hobby stuff, and now I'm just like, Netflix is just going to keep playing. As long as I sit here, it just <laughs> keeps playing, right? Now, before we jump into Galatians 5, I want to bring up this. I, I referenced this book last week, Practices right. of Love, uh, which is Spiritual Disciplines for the Life of the World. And Kyle Bennett here, I love his definition of life in the spirit. He says, life in the spirit is bringing all things human, all things pertaining to humanity and what it means to be human our thoughts, our attitudes, our habits, our practices, our behaviors, our lifestyles, Mm. bringing all of it under the power and sway of God, Mm. just as Jesus did. He says, life in the spirit is fixing the itty bitty Mm. things of our lives so that they align with the rules and regulations and rhythms of God's kingdom, Mm. just as Jesus did. Mm. Like, and that's the significant thing is like, we're not, uh, we're not just trying to get better towards some unknown right. end. It's like we're trying to be like Jesus. To, to use Dallas Willard's classic definition of sanctification, we're trying to be who Jesus would be if he had our life. Yeah. That's what life in the Spirit looks like. Yeah, so th- that's, that's our goal is to, to be like Jesus. So we're spending these 12 weeks in uh, this Life in the Spirit uh, series. Last week we talked about, we just kind of kicked off the whole thing, Life in the Spirit. This week, Walk by the Spirit, another of mm. the the sort of words that Paul uses to describe right. the spiritual life. And next week, we're going to dig into the fruit of the Spirit, kind of overview the fruit of the Spirit, and especially contrast them with the works of the flesh that he talks about in 
chapter 5. We're going to kind of skip over that part this week. Last week, we talked about how we have been given new life in the Spirit because of the Spirit's indwelling in us, right? Right. Uh, But just because the Holy Spirit lives in us doesn't mean we automatically grow in the fruit of the Spirit. If we were to automatically grow, self-control wouldn't be necessary. It wouldn't (laughs) be one of the fruit. Yeah. Right? Because it's not automatic, self-control is required. Right. It is one of the fruit of the Spirit. Right. So, do you remember I talked about last week um, Dr. Seuss and Thing 1 and Thing 2? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes, and you never have Thing 1 without Thing 2. Right. God's work exactly. and our responsible participation. Exactly. Responsible participation is the phrase that we pulled up from right. uh, Anthony Hokema, a theologian writing about sanctification. Um, because, yeah, there's, there's God's activity and the Holy Spirit's indwelling, the Holy Spirit's empowerment, all that stuff we talked about last week. But there's also our responsibility. Right. And how those two work together, I love this phrase, responsible participation. Mm. We are responsible to participate in what God is doing in our lives mm. and not to push against it or push back on it or try to squelch it or, or counterman, counter, counteract it. That's not to work against for. it. Yeah, not to right. work against yeah. it, exactly. Let's jump back into the, the key verse for this whole series, Galatians 5, 25. Sure. Uh, this is the verse we're going to keep coming back to. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. If we live by the Spirit. You remember we said last week that if isn't a, um, con- it's not a conditional clause, it's a like, statement of fact. Right, not a hope so. Right, because a, right. we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit because because we are already living by the Spirit, then there's some implications for how we act that we're going to come back to in a little bit. Pause on this word live Hmm. because we live by the Spirit. In Greek, it's one of just the normal words for living. It's the word zoe, you know, zoological. Zoo comes from it. It's, It's a zoo. Because we zoo by the Spirit, because we're alive, by the spirits. But when Paul uses it, it becomes more than just uh, living, and it sort of gets this transcendent sense to it. Mm. Uh, Because we are living by the spirit, Mm. like we have this new quality of life, because we have this new quality of life, um, then we are able to do new things that we weren't able to do before, right? Before we had this life, we couldn't keep in step with the spirit. Right. We didn't want what the Spirit wanted. We didn't want it. We didn't even know. We were blind. We were dead to the Spirit. But now we live. Because we live by the Spirit, now we can keep in step with the Spirit. Right. And as Christians, our our full new life already exists. We just don't live into it fully yet. That's what we were saying. We're we're learning how to live into full in step, being fully in step with the Spirit, which is exactly what Paul's going to talk about. Let's... Let's turn back from verse 25 to kind of the Hmm. beginning of this section, verse 16. Okay. Uh, We're reading from the ESV here, and this is where um, the ESV has this heading, keep in step with the Spirit, comes all the way from that verse. Verse 25 is kind of the the pinnacle, the the sort of end point of this whole passage. Uh, But let's start in verse 16, right? It says, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Um, before we get too far into this, though, we should set the context for what's happening that kind of gives rise to this discussion yeah. that, that Paul's having. Uh, because the Galatian church is having a lot of disunity around this question of 
what role does the Mosaic law, the law of Moses that was given right. in the Old Testament and Exodus and Leviticus and then in Deuteronomy again, this law that was given in the Old Testament that was kind of seen as the way that the Jewish people lived, well, what role does that law have in these pagans' lives, the mm. pagans who have converted to Christianity, right. which is an outgrowth of Judaism, what role does the, the law have? Should pagans who convert to Christianity uh, follow the Jewish law, especially the mm. ceremonial, the ritual right. stuff about food cleanliness and some of those ritual surgeries that uh, men and boys especially would have to go through? Right. Should these, these pagans be required to keep this law? And there's a lot of disunity and fighting in the church about keeping the law. The ironic thing, and Paul kind of hits them with the irony here of this, is, is that all of this, this emphasis on the law, which is best summarized, he says in verse 14, 514, the whole mm. law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor mm. as yourself. He's saying if you were really following the law, mm. you wouldn't be fighting mm. or disunit, disunified, experiencing right. this disunity. You wouldn't right. be, like in verse 15, um, about to consume one another mm. in this mutually assured destruction that's happening in the church. Mm. It's like you guys are arguing over whether or not you should keep the law and you've broken its most mm. fundamental mm. expression, mm. love your neighbor as yourself. So he's, he's kind of coming at him and saying like, hey, you're really passionate about keeping the law here and you're so passionate about it, you're breaking it. Mm. Hmm. So he says, if sure. you keep doing that, you're going down a path of destruction. He says, but I say, this is where verse 16 comes in, mm. but I say, rather than follow this path of the law and applying the law, but I say walk by the Spirit. If you walk by the Spirit, you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. So he launches, this is the beginning of uh, verse 16, it's the beginning right. of a paragraph where he, he goes into this densely packed kind of description of an alternate way of life that mm. fulfills what the law was trying to accomplish, but that the law itself couldn't do. And, and the danger then is we can take the principles of God's law, which are good, but we can pursue them in a selfish, unloving, self-righteous kind of way. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. It's kind of like, think of, so all these quarantine rules that we're under right now, like mm. don't leave your home unless it's for essential travel only, right? It's like, well, so I'm allowed mm. to go get groceries. Well, what if I only get half of my groceries today and the other half tomorrow, and then, oh, I need to go get something else essential the next day, or, and you just immediately come up with ways around the law, right? right? There's a law that says stay home, and what we all, most of us, myself, what I immediately do is start thinking of ways to get around the law. Or, we, or maybe like these uh, people that are in conflict here in the church, I can start looking at my law keeping kind of as the standard and judge other people for their right. failure. Why did you go to the grocery store three times last week? Right. Obviously, you can't plan well like <laughs> I can. And so we start to judge our neighbors by how well they're keeping the law in our eyes. And then we're biting and devouring and, one another. And in neither case does the law itself make us into the kind of people who right. want to obey the law. Right. It's either <laughs> makes us into people who want to figure out ways around it or people who judge others who don't obey it. And we're violating the fundamental principle, love your neighbor, love your neighbor. as yourself. Right. The law can 
can require us and compel us to act as if we love our neighbors. Mm. But it cannot actually make us love. Right. The power of right. love has to come from somewhere else. Right. From somewhere outside of the law. Right. Because the law can't make us into the type of people who keep the law. So walk by the Spirit is Paul's antidote mm. to law-keeping. Okay. You could say. And, and walk, by the way, is yes. a simple word that means to walk. <laughs> like, literally, it means walk around. I can do that. Yeah, except in the way he's using it, mm. it's figurative for your entire conduct of life. Mm. The way mm. that you comport yourself, the way that you behave in the world should be by the Spirit. And in line with what the Spirit wants. Exactly. In line with what the Spirit wants, in line with what pleases God, in line with what the Spirit of God in you says. This is the way to go. Walk by the Spirit. Yeah, so uh, walk by the Spirit is Paul's command to us. His idea, his way of saying, look, the law isn't going to get you to Christlikeness. You remember we said last week, if the law could make you like Jesus, then Jesus wouldn't have had to die. Right. Uh, to make you acceptable to God. So if, if you needed Jesus' death to make you acceptable to God, you need Jesus' death to keep you mm. acceptable to God as well. You're not going to, it's, it's not like the gospel gets you to the bare minimum of acceptability, acceptability and then you build everything on top of that under your own power. You, because you live by the Spirit, in the Spirit, you also walk by the Spirit. You also walk you choose to walk in the spirit and paul's promise is if we do this we will most certainly not gratify the desires of the flesh that sounds good the desires of the flesh is um almost a technical phrase the way Hmm. uh, paul uses it some sometimes it's translated like the lusts of the flesh because desires means like strong desires okay um as soon as you translate it lust of the flesh it's like oh i know what those are right right if you, we, we'll, we're going to look at the list next week of, of the works of the flesh, the mm. desires of the flesh. Only three of them are in that sort of category. There's three, eight, nine, ten, 13 others that fall into right. different categories. So uh, the desires of the flesh don't just mean physicality. We talked about this right. last week. Flesh means right. something more like sinful nature. If you walk by the Spirit, you mm. won't gratify the desires of the sinful nature of the uh, the power the old me within right. us that still wars against right uh, what God wants and has for me. So it's it's not as though Paul is saying there's like a spiritual life over here that's somehow disembodied that's against right. physicality right. because we're living out one life or yeah. another one direction or another. Yeah, did you ever, like this was, was really big for me in high school and college. I really, I got this spiritual versus physical mm. life. Yeah, That sure. like every, anything having to do with the body was bad, right? Contemporary, like contemporary Christian music was bad because it had a beat that your body liked. And yeah. anything that had to do with the body with the flesh. So there was a confusion here of reading the word flesh to mean physicality, not sinfulness. And plus all of the great spiritual heroes we heard about were these people who were basically ascetics, you know, who denied that that they were hungry or denied that they needed rest or anything. It was like I I heard over and over again from 
Mark 1, uh, you know, where Jesus gets up early in the morning and he goes and prays. Right. And it was like, hey, if Jesus, the Son of God, had to get up early and pray, how much earlier do you need to get Mm. up? Like, really spiritual people don't need sleep or food or comfort, (laughs) right, or rest, because they just need to suppress the flesh and live in the spiritual, mental realm. Right, which is... uh, uh error that the church has always been fighting against from the earliest centuries, right? That somehow flesh and body is bad and Jesus has come to bring about some purely spiritual experience. Yeah, and I think the biggest mistake we make in our sanctification, our becoming like Jesus, is thinking that it's all spiritual Mm. or all mental. Mm. That that if we were really spiritual, we would be able to transcend our bodily needs. Mm. Mm. When sometimes the best thing you can do for your sanctification is eat a snack and take a nap. You know, for people stuck at home in quarantine and going crazy, it may Mm. be that the best thing for your becoming like Jesus is for you to check out for a couple hours. Order a pizza, eat half of it yourself, um, tell your spouse you've got the kids, and just Mm. go outside. Mm. and be like, you know what? I'll be back in a couple hours. Mm. But for right now, I'm calling time out because I've been ignoring the fact that I have a body that needs to rest mm. and needs to eat well and mm. needs to, maybe you shouldn't order a pizza, you should order a salad, whatever. Wow. Um, heavy on the ranch dressing because that's healthy. Um, <laughs> maybe you just need to, and maybe we just need to admit that we have bodies that, that we're not supposed to suppress in order mm. to be spiritual. Uh, Paul goes on to set up this really strong dichotomy in verse 17. The alternates. The alternates, Uh, the back and forths. Yeah, the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. So the desires of the sinful nature, not physicality, but the sinful nature are against the spirit. And the desires of the spirit are against the sinful nature. They're opposed to each other. So our sort of sinful... um, our sinful operating system, our sinful selves that tries to Mm. grab something other than God and make it ultimate Mm. is opposed to the Spirit's desire for us, which is for God to be ultimate in our lives and for us to live in light of that. And because of this ongoing opposition between the sinful nature and the Spirit itself in us, we're kept from doing the things we want to do. Does someone have to do it? I mean, we, we all want the same things, right? We all want love, joy, acceptance, purpose, connection. And the problem is in, in our fleshly, sinfully spiritual dynamic, we're going about it the wrong way. We're putting ourselves yeah. at the center, and it's not about really loving God and loving others. God and others become the means to what I'm trying to get. Yeah, some other thing. Whatever that thing is that we pull to the center and kind of make ultimate in our lives, we figure out some way, especially if we're very religious. Uh, We go Mm. to church every week, we read our Bibles, we do all the right things, right? Uh, Even God himself becomes a means to Mm. serve that thing that's that's at the center. So we can be doing outwardly spiritual-looking religious things Mm. in the power of the flesh, in the oh, power of the spirit, uh, uh, in the power of the sinful nature, right. uh, that are actually opposed to what God really wants to do right. in, us. in an attempt to save ourselves. Mm-hmm. We're going to come back to that okay. in a bit. So I'm glad you brought that up uh, because I want to go to verse 18. Right? He, here's 
another fascinating uh, way that Paul puts this. It, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. If you okay. are led by the Spirit. Now, just like in verse 25 that said, if we live by the Spirit, right. this is the same kind of statement of fact. You are led by the Spirit. Right. In, in the only other time Paul uses this phrase in Romans 8, he, he says, if those who are children of God are led by the Spirit. Right. Those who are led by the Spirit are children of God. So being led by the Spirit is what we are. Right. It's not a, boy, if you're the, really the kind of spiritual person who's allowing yourself to be led by the Spirit. No, this is what we are. We live by the Spirit. We are led by the Spirit. Those are statements of fact about our identity, about right. our reality. And, and he goes to this because if you are led by the Spirit, if you are a believer, if you are a Christian, if you are a, you know, truly, if the Spirit is in you, you're not under the law. And he's got a real technical meaning there when he says this. Okay. You are not under the Mosaic law, okay. the law of Moses. So remember we said earlier the context for all this is that the Galatian church is trying to enforce on new believers. So some of the, the Jewish factions of the Galatian church is trying to force on new believers, like uh, pagans who did not grow up under the Mosaic law. Uh, they're trying to force the Mosaic law on them and saying, hey, okay, you came to Christ by faith, but if you really want to know... Mm. That, that God accepts you, if you really want to know mm. that God will bless mm. you, if you really want to know that God is pleased with you, then you have to keep the law. You have to be under the law. You have to be doing something yeah. to have some marker to, to let you know you've done enough and right. now God is pleased with you. Right. Now, there's a difference between obeying the law okay. and being under the law. That's thank you because that's what I wanted to ask because yeah. it sounds it sounds like it could be read as well. Then the law doesn't even matter. Right, and right. Just throw the whole thing and do live however you want. you want. Exactly. No, 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 not at all. Because we know about the law. What we know about the law is that God gave the law as a way to, to do a couple of things to show His people that they were not sufficient themselves to keep it. Right. And to anticipate someone who could keep the law hmm. for them. Mm. Right. It's what the priestly system did. It's what the king did. It's what the prophets right. did that ultimately right. all culminates in Jesus. So the law was given to show, show people you need something more than the law to make you into these kind of people. But it was also a way of showing this is the kind of, this is the kind of person that pleases God, that, that has a heart after God, that, mm. that pursues God. Mm. It's like, uh, so think of parenting, right? And you've got your kids and you love your kids. They are part of your family. There's nothing they can do right. to remove themselves from being your son or your daughter. But you still have house rules. Sure. And you want them to obey those house rules. Sure. Because you're saying to your kids like, this is the kind of person I want you to be, a person who does all these things naturally. Right. But they, they can't, if they disobey the, the house rules, that doesn't make them not your kids. Right. Yeah, They're not of course. under the house rules, even though we say when you're in my house, you're under my rules. <laughs> They're not under the rules in the sense that if right. you don't fulfill these, you are no longer my son right. or my daughter. Right. But you still want them to obey these rules because that's... That's what you want for them. It, it, those rules are a way for them to find full human life, not a restricted human life. 
Right. And we want them to want to follow those rules. Yeah. We want our kids to actually apologize because they really actually do have a sense of being sorry for what they yeah. did. And ultimately, we don't want them to even need the rules right. because they just are those kind of people. Right. Right. When we talk about the works of the flesh next week, we're going to talk about how each, each of these things are ultimately, they're not the kind of things that are designed to keep us from having fun. It's like, th these are the, the ways we dehumanize ourselves and one another. Yeah. Th these yeah. are the ways we become less human, less of what we were supposed to be. So there's a difference. We can obey the law because we know that God delights in us being the kind of people mm. who live this way. Mm. But we are not under the law in the sense that we have to obey right. it in order to know that we are acceptable and pleasing to God, that we are his children, that we right. are his. If wow, that's beautiful. Well, thank you. I mean, just the, well, yeah, I mean, the way you put it, but the reality of it. The reality of it is, absolutely, this is ultimate good news. Yeah. This is such good news. But, but now it sounds like there's, it's so much more than just having our sins forgiven. It's mm -hmm. about God working in us to help us become the kind of people right. that we were intended to be right. from the beginning. Absolutely. So the gospel is not God saves you and now you can do whatever you want. Yeah. The gospel is God saves you. And that is step one to you becoming what you were made to be, mm. what Jesus would mm. be if he were you, what a mm. fully human, fully <laughs> alive in God, fully living by the spirit person mm. would be. And that's where the fruit come come in as he, mm. he talks about how do you know that you're becoming that person? Well, here's nine varieties of fruit. What does that look like? Exactly. We'll start talking about those next week. The, the, the problem with the human heart here mm. um, is that we try to reverse the order of these verses. What do, you, what do you mean? Explain that. Yeah, hold that in mind. I want to I wanna come back to that in okay. a second. You know, as we get towards now application, like what are we going to do with mm. that? that? That is the, the key that we have to keep in mind because we can't have one without the other one. This is thing one and thing two all over again. Okay. We can't have identity mm. without behavior. Okay, explain So that. let me put it this way. Yeah, um, the behavior, uh, keeping the law, does not lead to the identity. Now I'm a child of God. Right. Right? Nor do, and the identity shouldn't be all by itself and not lead to the behavior. Mm. Okay? Mm. So imagine you are, um, put yourself in the place of a, of a, a teenager who has been an orphan in, in the foster system the entirety of their lives and is now adopted into a family. Right. Right. You are, you are now legally part of this family. Mm. It is right. who you are. It right. is your identity. But that identity, externally given to you by your adopted family, adoptive family, has to work its way into you and transform you from the inside so that your behavior matches your identity, so that mm. what you do mm. matches who you are. Right. Now, every other religion tells us that what we do makes us who we are. Mm. Uh, obey the five spiritual laws or the four pillars or the whatever, and you will become a child of God. You'll become accepted. You'll mm. find enlightenment or nirvana or whatever. Uh, only Christianity tells us, here's who you are, mm. and that leads to what you do. 
In Christianity, right. the indicative right. comes before the imperative. Right. The statement of fact comes before the command. Every other religion tells us, here's the command. Once you do that, then you will become. Right. Imagine how devastating it would be to that uh, adopted child to enter into a home and be told, unless you keep the house rules, mm. you're gone, you're out. Oof. Right. Yeah. We're not foster children of God that, no. that might... Someday move moved. on, or, or right. no, we are, we are adopted into the family of God. We now have an identity as children of God, and our job, our responsible participation in the house rules is to learn how to live as a child of God. What we do follows after mm. who we are. Right. Who we are comes first, and that, that comes through in this passage too. I'm going to pull up a couple phrases here. Uh, in Galatians, uh, let's see, 5.18 and 5.25, we saw two statements of fact. Right. We live by the Spirit. The power of life in us is the, the Holy Spirit. Right. We are led by the Spirit. That's who we are. We are people who are following after the Holy Spirit. That's a statement of fact, mm. identity. This is who we are. Now, what should we do because of that? Walk by the Spirit. Okay. Keep in step with the Spirit. These two have to come first. Live by this, we live by the Spirit. We are led by the Spirit. That has to come first. Or if it doesn't, then walk by mm. the Spirit and keep in step with the mm. Spirit will become the way we convince ourselves mm. that we live by the Spirit, that we are, we mm. are children, sons and daughters of God. Mm. The who we are has to come before what we do. Do you remember that um, classic, that early Anne Hathaway movie, The Princess Diaries? Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, of course, it's classic. We've all watched yeah. it with our daughters because it's great, right? Yeah. So you've got this teenage girl living in New York or California or L.A. or right. wherever, right, who it just she's a normal, gawky, awkward teenage girl, and right. she gets a visitor who says, um, hey, newsflash, uh, you're actually a princess. <laughs> And think of how many of our great stories uh, are actually yeah. stories of hidden identity, right? right? Man, that scene at the beginning, you're a wizard, Harry. Cinderella. Like, that changes everything. Cinderella, yeah. right. Um, or that, that great scene in The Lord of the Rings where it's like, put off the ranger and become who you were born mm. to be, right? Yeah. There's this, so in The Princess Diaries, she is a princess, whether she knows how to act right. like one or not. And the rest of the movie is all her learning how. Yeah, because she doesn't know. She has no clue. She has no clue how to she, be a princess. No, and not it's at a all. disaster. <laughs> and it's great. And that's where yeah. all the humor in the movie yeah. comes from. Is all the disaster of, of learning to, to walk and talk. And how, what fork to use? All and, of right. Yeah. Right. But the point, and what I think is such a, a powerful illustration of of this our spiritual life is that we are princes and princesses. Mm. Mm learning mm. to behave like princes yeah. and princesses, uh, ruling and reigning in God's kingdom. Wh is the work of the rest of our lives. That's the work of the rest of our lives. That's the yeah. work of the Spirit. The, to walk by the Spirit, to keep in step with the Spirit, is to learn how to, uh, to behave what we are. Mm. Is learn how to become in practice what we are in reality. To learn how to look like mm. Uh, look like in, in, in daily life what our identity actually is as sons and daughters of God. Mm, right. right. What life in the Spirit is learning. It, it's, 
it's that responsible participation. It's participating responsibly uh, with what God is doing in our lives to transform us from uh, people who were dead in our sins and sinful nature mm. to people who are now alive in Christ and in the Holy Spirit and who are growing into the identity of adopted sons and daughters of God. It's We are those uh, adopted teenagers who have uh, mm. a, a lifetime of habits and practices that don't fit right. in our new home. Right. And that's why there's a new struggle. identity. It, that's why there's a struggle. We're learning. We're pushing back against that sinful nature inside of us that wants us to be our own parent wow. and learning to submit to the parenting of a mm. new family, a new identity, a really the only identity that allows us to actually become Mm. what we were born to be, what we were mm. designed to mm. be, uh, like Jesus, who Jesus would be if he had our lives. That's awesome. And that's, that's life in the Spirit. Yeah. Um, it is not, and for anybody who hears this as a dry, dead, <laughs> life-sucking set of rules mm. that you mm. have to live by in order to become some sort of spiritual person, that is not at all what this is. This is the this is a free open door invitation mm. to full true human life mm. as God designed for it to be where we're we're in tune with in step with the spirit following after him um, exhibiting those fruits of love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control uh, exhibiting true humanity mm. instead of the dehumanizing uh, desires and works of the flesh that pull us away from God. Mm. So, okay, we're, we're wrapping this up and starting to look towards next week a little bit and when we're going to dig right. into the fruit of the Spirit here. I think for, for people this week, right, the, the theme has been walk by the Spirit, which is parallel to what we talked about last week, keep in step with the Spirit as, right. the, as our responsibility in participating with God in His work through the spirit of transforming us and bringing new life in us. Okay? Right. So we're going to be looking towards the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, and, and all the rest. Right. I think for someone today listening to this, I think the, the best thing we could do right now is even just pause the video and, and talk with the people that are there with you or call a friend or write a letter or something like that. Just reflect on this question. Could, could I tell if I'm growing in the fruit of the Spirit? Mm. How, how would I tell? How would I know? Actually, you know what? You shouldn't ask yourself that question. You should ask someone else mm. that question about yourself. Mm. Uh, mm. Go to your spouse and say, Have I, am I more patient than I was two years ago? Mm. Mm. Am I more self-controlled than I was when we met? Mm. Because walking by the Spirit, keeping in step with the Spirit, is a chosen disposition toward what God is doing in our lives. Mm. It's, not, it's not simply a passive thing mm. of, well, I'll just sit back and let the Spirit pull me, right? It doesn't say, right. Paul's not saying in verse 16, but I say, be dragged by the Spirit, <laughs> right? Yeah. He's saying, yeah. but I say, walk, by the mm. Spirit. Walk mm. in the Spirit. Walk with the Spirit. Mm. So the, the question I would love people to wrestle with for themselves is, am I actively choosing mm. to walk with 
walk by, walk in the Spirit? Hmm. Or am I just sort of hoping that I just can do whatever I want to do and God's going to transform me into Hmm. whatever he wants me to be? So that's where we're going in the rest of this series. Uh, Next week, we're going to spend some time on the fruit of the Spirit um, versus the works of the flesh. And then we're going to dig into each one and talk about how God works those in our lives and and what they look like. So I'm excited for people to stick with us, to to stay with us through the rest of this series uh, as we grow together in life in the Spirit. Amen. Amen. Yeah, pray pray for for us, please. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much that you have loved us enough to send your son to fulfill the law, to do what we could not do, and to put your spirit in us to help us live out a new identity and a new reality that we really are sons and daughters of God. Thank you that that's not a work that we undertake to earn a place in your family, but because we are children, you now work in us by your spirit to help us line our lives up with who you made and saved us to be. Thank you, Father. Help us to grow in living that out and keeping in step with walking by the spirit for your glory and for our joy. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. See you all next week.